Because as long as he stays, United aren't that much of a threat. <laughs> you know what? That was the first game that really finished me off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that was the first game. That was the game that finished me off. Samples. <laughs> I, keep hear, I keep hearing that. Oh, it's empty. It's not my fault if you can't fill your stadium, in it. It's not my fault. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Tell them, tell them, tell them. The Breakdown Podcast. What's good, people? You're tuned into The Breakdown Podcast. This is episode 22. We are live on YouTube at 7pm every week, 7pm UK time. My name is Mark. We're going to do things differently this week a little bit. So everyone's going to have to introduce themselves because we might have new listeners. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to make sure everyone can, everyone knows who's who and what's what. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, so it's going to say, obviously for the man anyway, that's here. But it's going to say what who you are and what team you support. Very simple for everyone that's listening to, to for their benefit. So who wants to go first? Yeah, man. Let me jump in. Welcome, any new listeners, anyone who's rejoined. I'm T. My allegiance is to Liverpool. If you're listening for the first time, I don't know what sound like this. I'm bunged up, but you know what? I've got a couple here, so let's do this one. Key. Yo, mute. <laughs> Mad. <laughs> Whoa. It's the silent slow, one. <laughs> slow start, yeah. Right. No. Um, for those that can hear me now, my name is Kofi. Uh, I am a pre-Abramovich Chelsea fan. Um, you know, Chelsea through and through, 97 to now, um, for life as well. And um, yeah, what more can I say? Um yeah, nah. It's, it's, it's good to be back. I wasn't around last week, but it's good to be back with the fam again. Who else we got on the on the pod today? Yo, guys, I'm Jay. Um, I'm an Arsenal fan. If you've been listening previously, it might not sound that way, but um, they're in my heart deep down. It's just you know a bit of a, a marriage. <laughs> it's got its ups and downs. Um, and yeah, I've been supporting Arsenal. Before 1997, probably. Um, it's Kofi quick, but yeah, that's me. Okay, cool. And I'm Mark. Obviously, I support a roster of teams, and I'm not. I'm not afraid to say it. I don't hide it. <laughs> I support Man United. I support Aston Villa. I support Real Madrid, and I support anyone that plays against Liverpool. Anyone that plays against Liverpool, I support them. So. You know what I mean? But then I'm back, Steven Gerrard. So here, here we are. Here we go. <laughs> anyway, before we get into anything anyway, I just want to big up, obviously, the listeners, because um, some people listen to us via audio, obviously, primarily. Um, I've been looking at where people's listening from. I just want to shout out to people in their different locations. So big up the people that's listening from Brussels. Big up people that's listening from Dublin. Um, big up the people from Dover. Obviously, we've got people in London. Um, and obviously, we got the American crew as well. We haven't forgotten about you guys as well. We got the crew in Texas, in the Dallas area, people in Kansas, and um, people in Ashburn um, on the east coast of America in Virginia. So, thank you very much for listening and stuff like that. Just want to say a big shout out from everybody here. Keep listening to us. And obviously, if you want to get on the podcast, if you want to get and get you know, start talking to us and that. If you don't agree with what people are saying, obviously people like T and that, you know, probably a prime candidate, you don't agree with his opinions and that. <laughs> Hit us up, man. Do you know what I mean? Hit us up, get in contact with us. Do you know what I mean? We're fair game, you know what I'm saying, to have a football conversation. But yeah, thanks for listening anyway. I just want to do that before we get into anything, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, big up everybody. Big up all the listeners everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Two continents. So that's quite that's quite interesting that we've obviously hit that. Cool. So there's not been much football obviously going on um, of the Premier League status and that. But um, one thing we said we was going to talk about before is Leicester. Um, Leicester lost. They got slapped obviously four one by the East Midlands rivals Nottingham Forest. Obviously banged them four one, dumped them out of the cup. Um, the question regarding Leicester. 
it's kind of like an open one, but like what happened to Leicester? Like last season, FA Cup winning team push pushing for top four, obviously didn't make top four out of Europe. Um this season not performing as well. What's what's going on there? That's open to yeah. anyone. Like what's what's happening with Leicester? Well, I, I I'll speak first, uh, because I feel like um J and T are gonna get onto Brodgy here. So let me let me just intervene a little a little bit very, very quickly and just give, give them a little bit of leeway. Um but I feel like Leicester probably since um Brendan was linked with the Man United job earlier on in the season, um that, that seems to have coincided with um you know their downturn in form. I know um Harvey Barnes was was interviewed, I think it was sometime last week, um or the week before, um, in and around, you know, the sort of you know, mood around the camp, uh, where, you know, how much of an effect, you know, that whole um, scenario actually had on the team and all the rest of it. And apparently they they really had to come together and actually have a proper team meeting. And essentially, Brendan had to, not, not grovel, but he had to really reassure the whole squad that he was in it for the long haul type thing. Do you know what I mean? Because players didn't know whether, whether he was coming or going. Um, you know, fair, fair play to him. He's built, he's built, uh, really solid foundation there. You've seen the you've seen the players that he's brought in. You really saw, you know, the, the mood around the club when they won the FA Cup, where they where they beat um, my team, you know, last last season as well. And it just seemed as though they were going to go and kick on, but you know, as of anything, the, the the moment there's a bit of there's a bit of a rocky sort of period. As soon as that foundation's been shook, you, you see you, you start to see cracks like disappear, and I just don't know whether they'll be able to fully recover from that. And they're going through a transitional period as well. I know the lads will probably speak on it, but their team itself requires a bit of a rejig. Even now, so, you know, they're still building, but they still require a rejig, especially with experienced players in the squad. Jamie Vardy, um, you know, Johnny Evans, um, to obviously speak of the main two that I could think of anyway. Um, so, I, I mean, it's hard, but I, I think... We saw it. We saw it. You know, Liverpool season under Klopp, um, just just a couple of seasons ago. Um, not even last year. You know, where there was a change in form. Um, yeah, it's just it's just one of the, it's just one of those things, man. And I think they could come back from it. But it's I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm starting. Kind of anything in the grey area with them. Yeah, are they are they in that bad of? Is it that bad of a season? This season, like, in, in comparison. Leicester? In comparison, I mean, you know what? You speak of it being Leicester, but this is the same Leicester team that people are fighting for, you know, being or replacing Arsenal in the top big six clubs and all the rest of it. So when you're going off that sort of notion, then you can't sort of backtrack. Well, I'm not saying you, but I'm saying for the people out there that are fighting for that sort of narrative, they can't backtrack and say, oh, well, but it's Leicester. So if they're having a season like this, then it's okay. You know? Um if that's the energy that people are showing before, then you've got to keep that same energy now. Um, and just say, call it for what it is. It's poor by their standard, by the standard that they've set and what people have actually seen them for now. So, yeah, it is what it is, man. Yeah. I think, um, was it last week? Um, Brendan Rogers said, said something about how the squad needs a refresh, I believe. Um he said something like that, and he was talking to the tune like, of, well, come the summer, so, like insinuating that certain men might not be there, you know. Um, and I don't know if that was maybe said to get a tune out of his players, um, but looking at the Nottingham Forest game, it looked like it didn't work. And actually, at points during that game, um, the players looked like um, they weren't necessarily fighting for. Um, the badge, the shirt, or fighting for the manager. Um, and I think after the game as well, you know, obviously Brendan Rodgers showed his, you know, his, his disgust at the at the performance. Um, but I'm just a bit worried that now Brendan Rodgers is at a place where he's kind of calling the team out. You know, he's saying that this is not good enough. He's saying, you know, he's threatening them to a certain extent. And it's like, those kind of things, when you get to that stage as a coach, those are like, that's like your last roll of the dice, basically. Um, if you don't get a tune out of your team, 
once you're telling them, you know, they got to play for their places, they got to, you know, their places are on the line and stuff like that, and you're not getting a tune of them, then, you know, but it seems like, um, you know, when you look at Leicester, they've, I think they've only won the last, they've only won five of the last 18 games. That's, that's a poor, that's a, for them, that's a poor record, what they've shown, um, most recently, you know, last season, um, and it, it it kind of harks back to when Claude Puel was there. I think his last his last eighteen games. I think I was reading that he only won. I think four games or something like that. So it's not that bad yet. Um, but now you're seeing you're seeing the fans kind of saying, "Well, look, are we have we got the right man here? Is what's you know he's he's having a go at the players, but do you escape?" that kind of criticism. And I know that we've spoken as well. Mark 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 who mentions it every you know earlier on when Leicester were playing early in the season about the tactics that actually Leicester are employing, you know, the the back three um to try and fit in certain players, um, whether that's that's good for the team um as a whole. Uh, so and I think one of Leicester's um the, the, for me, the worst bit about Leicester is how easy it is to get easy to, um, yeah, just penetrate them. And after the game again against Nottingham, I think when Steve Cooper, Steve Cooper, the Nottingham Forest coach, right? Um, he was he 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 said that yeah, we targeted their weaknesses, set pieces, and um, uh, crosses to the back post. So. Hey, look! If um, you know, if a championship manager, he's a good manager, but a championship manager can see these things, and you know they've got evidences of that, then you know there's you know there's things to look at for Leicester um, in terms of their tactics and how they go forward. Yeah, I think I think the boys. <clears throat> so excuse me, I think the boys summed it up quite well, man. This is it's quite difficult to pin down the one thing that's wrong with Leicester. I think, I think if you think about the last couple of seasons, their trajectory seemed to be on the up. Rogers, obviously, Rogers is a young-ish British manager. It's exciting for him to come in, um, finish fifth twice, won the FA Cup, and really knocking on the door of of the next step, which I guess for them would be the Champions League under under Rodgers anyway. Um, this season, a number of things I think have, have derailed them, it seems. I think, well, the injury to Fofana is massive. Let's, let's, let, let's have that right. That's completely derailed Leicester um, because Soyuncu's not been up to it this season. Let's be fair. This guy is like a deer in headlights. Like week on week, his performances have just been have been pretty poor, and I think that's not been helped by Johnny Evans um, with a bit of a checkered injury um, record this season. You brought in Vestergaard, who's been quite shocking as well. To be fair, that's that's it's a pretty poor signing. Um, but then obviously as well, Pereira's been out. They lost Chilwell, and they've in Bertrand. Bertrand's also been up. So Luke Thomas has had to fill in left back. And obviously Luke Thomas has basically learned on the job. So some games he's very good. Other games, you know, he's targeted. Um, you know, it's not all doom and gloom for them. Definitely, they're obviously 10th at the moment, but they have brought in some young, some good young players. Obviously Luke Thomas, as I mentioned, Jusby Hall's been very, very good, I think, um, in their midfield. But there seems to be a number of across the field, basically, apart from Kasper Schmeichel, who's been quite good this season, apart from him, that like in defence, there's no consistency. It's a back four or back three. Like, which one is it? It completely changes the, the dynamic of how they attack. The midfield, um, Ndidi's been out. If Ndidi's not out, then he's playing centre-back to cover for Evans or Suyunshu or Fofana, which, again, completely changes the balance of how they can defend and attack. Obviously, Vardy's been out. Kofi mentioned Harvey Barnes was out the back end of last season. So he was recovering the start of this season. Um, 
and then you bring in Dakar. Obviously, Rogers clearly doesn't trust Kalechi. So there's a number of things. I mean, I, I think Lukman's done okay coming in. You know, there's a couple of performances he's put in, a couple of good key goals, but it's not enough really. Um, their goal difference is minus three at the moment, which suggests I think they can see the 37 goals um, scored 34, and that's not good enough, you know, for a side that's finished fifth um, two seasons in a row. So there's a number of issues there. I think structurally, Rogers seems to not trust the back line, hence going to the back three, did the same thing at Liverpool when he had some injuries. Um, clearly, his preferred his preferred formation would be four at the back, maybe a 43 one. Um, but yeah, as I say, man, there's, there's a, it's not all doom and gloom. There's a couple of bright sparks. Madison's been in very good form recently, but I just think they're transitioning in so many different areas of the field at the same time that it's, it's proving difficult for them and they're getting caught up. I think to, to pick up on Jay's point, it's quite alarming for, for Rogers to, to, to call out his players. And he said, um, he said they're, they're clearly not top players, which is, that's quite damning. You know, you're basically having it out like with your team, like you're saying, yeah, they don't have the. Is the that not? Up. Wouldn't you say that's correct though? With some of the players that, like, <clears> if you look at who started on, just look at who started on 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 the weekend. You mm. know, um, Soyuncu, Amate. You know, you got uh, who else started? Madison, Ju uh, Justin, Thomas, um, Barnes, Lookman. Is that is that? Is it that harsh to be? calling out these players saying that they should they should be playing no. um, at a better level or they could play at a better level I think I think there's a there's a there's a difference between challenging your players and and and, and like criticizing them a bit too harshly I think when you start saying that this you know they're not top players then you know who are the top players that you're referring to what what sort of caliber player are you are you asking for you know obviously maybe there's a difference between yeah, his opinion and the board's opinion. But if I look at that that Leicester side, you know, they, they paid decent money for Pats and Dakar. Uh, Kalechi, yeah, natural, scored a number of goals. I would argue he was probably the informed striker the back end of last season um, from January onwards. Mm. Doesn't seem to be getting, doesn't seem to be getting any, any, any run of games. I don't know why. So what, um, but that's what, that's my question though. Like I I I understand what you're saying in terms of the Brendan thing, right? But Kalechi didn't start for Man City. He's come now to Leicester. Still hasn't established himself as a starter. You know why is that? Why can't Kalechi start? You know why why is he not playing every week in week out? Well, I think Kalechi came in playing well with in tandem with Vardy back in the last season. So that combination up front did very, very well for them. And Kalechi was sort of floating behind Vardy. Vardy was almost sacrificing himself for the team, if you like, working the channels, holding up the play, etc. Um, and basically, Kalechi was was tasked with, with, with being the main goal scorer. He seemed to thrive in that system. However, Rodgers um, seemed to opt for Harvey Barnes at the start of this season which obviously meant Kalechi had to come out the side because then you're just going with one striker up front. So I think it's a system issue there again. And Rogers doesn't necessarily know what he wants to go with. But for me, it's clear. If, if, you, if, you, if Kalechi's scoring goals for you and he's, and he's working well in a, in a tandem, in a two up front, why wouldn't you continue with that? Or why wouldn't you try to explore what that could give you this season? Um, especially if you have injuries. Um, I think that's that's really that what it consists of. It sounds like he, he doesn't know necessarily what system he wants to go with. Yeah, I just got a comment here from. I just, no, I just want to read that comment from the branded podcast saying um, that Leicester was overachieving um, before, and this is where Leicester is. That's that's kind of I kind of agree with that comment there a little bit. Where they've kind of when we talk about them going for top four, they were pushing to go for the top four, but there were clearly four teams that were. Not only better funded, but better teams than them. You know what I mean? You're talking about them going for top four and being behind. You know who picked them to top four before Chelsea, right? Wasn't it Chelsea last season that picked them to mm. top four? Look at Chelsea's squad and then look at the Leicester squad. Chelsea squad even beyond the first eleven, it was what it was. So for the fact that they even managed to be in this position, in my opinion, is like they've done really well to kind of get into be even be in the conversation 
And then you look at them, they've been stripped to some of their, their better players kind of thing for large parts of, well, back in the last season, start of this season. Because if you look at it, Fofana and, and Inform Evans versus Soyuncu, who's not in good form, and Amate. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's 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 not the same. It's not the same. Then you have some needy players. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So I would say Kalechi is a good player, good striker. But are you telling me he starts 38 games for 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 Leicester and especially in a number nine position? Because you know he's kind of his problem is he's not quite a ten. He's not quite a nine. He's you know what I mean. He's, he wants the ball to feet. He doesn't always want to run in behind. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And like you said, he played well with Vardy. Well, Vardy's not young anymore so do you know what I mean it's, it's like some of these things are, are just not clicking and it seems like that I think Kofi you said it like they're in transition a little bit mm. yeah no I, I mean I agree with everything I mean I agree with the comment um, I agree with what you guys are saying and that's what I said it's kind of like a 50-50 thing I'm in a great area with it all um, the collection one's an interesting one because I'm not going to lie to you that form that he showed in the back end of last season had me thinking you know what the way that he's playing, you can get him to play in any position along the front line and he's going to be absolutely dangerous because that's what he was doing. He was coming off the bench and being dangerous and scoring goals. You, you know, those those type of those, you know, when you find when you find a forward in that type of form, you kind of want to you kind of want to like kick them in cotton wool type of thing. You know, you want to actually put them up on the pedal stool because you don't know that this is actually the next person that's actually now gonna blow. It kind of it was kind of reminiscent of, and it's mad that I'm making this comparison, but it was kind of reminiscent of Harry Kane when he burst into the Tottenham when he burst into form at Tottenham in his early days, where it was kind of like, rah, this guy's scoring goals. Okay, put him in. He keep he's gonna keep doing it. He's gonna keep doing it. And look at how he's turned out now. There are some players that develop really that develop quite later in their careers, and I think Kelechi, I think that might have been his time, and. I just think derailing him was the wrong thing. Where Brendan could have benefited and Leicester could have benefited, he decided to go against the grain and go back on all of that at the start of the season. Um, but yeah, we don't know what's going on with it. We don't know the dynamics of the actual um, squad right now in the camp internally. Um, but I mean, when Brendan's coming out, talking the way he's talking, it reminds me of, of, of a Mourinho at Chelsea um, somewhat and other managers as well that have come and gone in the, in the Premier, League, Premier League years. So... Um, yeah, it's one. It's one to keep an eye out for, for yeah. sure. I don't. The thing is, I don't think it's that severe, though. If I'm being completely honest, just coming off the, just alone winning that FA Cup buys you a bit of time, in my opinion, with Leicester. And like beyond that first eleven, it's not one in one out. Let's be honest. Like like you say, they've got in Bertrand. Is Bertrand has Bertrand played his best football before, or is he going to play better football now? Probably no, not. Of right. Of no, I hear that. They've got in players that are like like Lookman is good, but again. Lookman's been about on the scene for a long time, talented player, but are you going to say he's top, top level in terms of output and consistency? you got people like Ayose Perez, who I like personally, but I like him in spurts, do you know what I mean, coming off the bench. But in terms of full performances, we spoke about James Madison. James Madison is extremely talented, extremely talented footballer, but it's like, it's not put it, it's not all put it all together. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's not all together. He's not... Sometimes the games are passing him by. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And I feel like off the ball, some of the work rate that's required, it's not... Obviously, it's just not his game. Do you know what I mean? He has to play in the number 10 and he plays well when he's linking up with Vardy and whatever else. But again, it's like Madison is not, for example, Foden. Do you get what I'm trying to say? He's not as sharp as, say, a Foden or whatever. So it's just like... There's a lot of those players there that they're, they're there, but they're not necessarily on their way up necessarily. Not, you get what I'm trying to say? So I'm not sure about that. You, you, you can say sure that about their, I was just going to say, you could say that about their title winning um, track line. Yeah. yeah. It was the same. It was the same kind of guys that have been pulled in here and there. Danny Simpson, who've. And what was the know, difference with those guys compared to this lot? But my, graphing, my thing is. Right? The graph. The work, yeah. You know, what I'm trying my to thing is, you're talking about them easy to play against and that, yeah. But like, come on, indeed, the and Tielemans, Tielemans is, uh, his contract is coming to an end right at the end of the season, right? He's, he's potentially that's, off. That's probably a so, story, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
Do you see what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like it's they're kind of betwixt and between, and there's kind of a little bit here and a little bit there. I feel like they probably need this season to just see this one out, and then they can sort out the transfers of who's doing what, and then they can move forward with your Hamza Chowdhury's and your whoever else that you want to build your your next core around. The thing is, though, Leicester have invested a lot of money in their their training ground and the surrounding. Um, so I don't think you're going to get them. They're not going to do what. They're not going to spend the money that's required, shall we say, for like a, a top four push. I don't think you're going to get them spending like 200 million or whatever. Um, so it will have to come down to, you know, smart scouting um, and picking off these guys here and there. But um, Which I don't got know. Them I there think... in the first place, though. Do you get what I'm saying? Because right. that, yeah. that, was, that was the, that's what got them there in the first that's place. That's still their so thing. I just feel like they could do it again. That's still their thing, though. Smart scouting is still their thing. My thing is, as well, outside of the top, what six let's say who really can spend the money anyway there's not really many sides villa maybe you, you could say but if you look at leicester spend anyway they're not it's not like they've it's not like they've been um penny pinching no nah, like they bought Tiedemans. yeah they, they bought Tiedemans for 40 mil they bought castagna for 20 odd mil you know they bought um for final for good money as well i believe it was 30 40 mil you know um daco is 20 mil you know, these are not small fees. These will these will tally up. And Madison was also big money. And, and you know what? To be fair, I think Madison's a very streaky player. But right now, I'd argue he's in the form of his Leicester, like in his, his Leicester career. Arguably, he's got like eight goals in his last twelve games. He looks he looks like a, the biggest threat I've seen. You know, um, when he's lining up, usually he's a more of a creator. Now he sounds like he's taking a bit more of a burden to score goals, but. I don't know, man. For, for me, my thing is when Leicester are doing well, it's like, yeah, we can knock on the door of the top four. We've got, we got Rodgers. Um, we've got such a great squad. Um, there's, there's a bit of depth there. I'm not saying it's top quality, but, you know, um, there's, there, there's reliable depth there. Um, but then when it comes to them being 10th at the moment now, it's, nah, you know, Leicester they haven't spent that much money they can't compete they shouldn't really they, they shouldn't really be knocking on the door of Champions League they're overachieving for me it's it's which one is it if you're taking the next step after winning the FA Cup then then step up to the mantle if if not then we I guess you have to adjust your expectations because you know Leicester fans talking about potentially Rogers not being the right man well where did they go after that yeah, that's what that's my question though. Do you do you think Leicester fans think, oh, we should be we should be displacing Chelsea, United, Liverpool, or Man City for the top four places? Do you do you think no, that's but... what they think? We won the FA Cup, and therefore next season we should be pushing for you know kind of um, these teams that have better squads and and more resources than us. Do you, is that what you think Leicester fans actually think? Like, let's get rid of Rodgers. You know what? I'm not gonna lie. I was going to say, sorry, Chief, very quickly. So this is what success does. When, when you win something, mm-hmm. all of a sudden the expectations naturally go up anyway. It, it's, it's, it's the poison chalice of any any football club or any football fan. Like when you're, when you're supporting a team, all of a sudden it's like, okay, we've won. Okay, you get this, you get a little sniff of it, a little taste of it, you want more. So therefore, yeah, the expectations are going to go up. And yeah, they're going to feel like, yeah, they should be able to compete. Maybe when in reality they shouldn't, but they're going to feel that way. And uh, for I, for one, don't blame them because I, will, I was like that at a point in time. Win the FA Cup in the year 2000, all of a sudden, yeah, we're looking at, you know, going and competing for the league title and all the rest of it. You know, finish third in 98 behind Arsenal and United. Yeah, you know, bring in, bring in Hasselbeck, bring in a goal scorer, I'll get rid of Chris Sutton and, yeah, all of a sudden this, that and that. So I'm going, I'm ban- I'm going on a little bit of a tangent a bit, yeah. But these are things that I felt when I was younger. But yeah, Chelsea were never in a place like that. They, they they had no right. They they were a very, very yo-yo, inconsistent club at that point in time before Roman Abramovich came. But it, it's, it's just part and parcel of success. And that's what it does. And that's where Leicester currently found them, find themselves in. They'll probably go a couple of seasons without anything and then probably know their place again. But for now, yeah, I think they've got every right to feel the way they feel. Yeah, because they're obviously, like you said, they've invested in the training ground. They've invested exactly. in, you know, they've invested in facilities. But I, I, my thing is, if if they're questioning Brendan Rodgers, I think that's the wrong thing to do personally because that profile of manager for them anyway that has actually won something with them, he deserves time. And if he's getting rid of one 
set of players because we spoke spoke about players that aren't aren't able to play for Fana. You're talking about that Tielemans, he's off in the summer. So we're we're talking about players that aren't able to play, or for example, Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy ain't scoring like he was three years ago. Do you know what I mean? Jamie Vardy's not able to play like he was three years ago. You got, like you said, Pats and Daka, that's that's there. But again, is he the same profile as Vardy? Is he the same? Do you get what I'm trying to say? He's he's just come in and it's like I feel like if they were in relegation trouble, if they was if there was any hint of relegation or anything like that, then I'd be like, okay, cool. Yes, that's enough for me to question whether Brendan's the right one to kind of do what he's got to do. But his record in bringing through some of those guys there um, seems like it's right. I don't agree with playing Thomas ahead of Bertrand, though. That's one thing I will say. I don't feel like Thomas should be playing. I feel like Bertrand should be playing in at left back. And like I said, for me, I want to see more from James Madison consistently. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Because he's not going to play. For, he's not going to go to the World Cup um, if he's if he's not playing consistently. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And I feel like he missed out last time. He'll miss out again if he's not able to to um to kind of produce. But I feel like they just need their players back. Their players fit. Like you said, the likes of Pereira and stuff like that. Yeah, if they're able to, if he's able to play for Fana, Pereira. Evans, Bertrand, I'm sure he will not play a back three. Do you get what I'm trying to say? He will trust Fofana and Evans to play in that back four. Standard. Kasper Schmeichel's not a bad goalkeeper. So that back five then sorts itself out. Then you got the midfield. Yeah, Ndidi's not a bad player. And then, for example, maybe next year they might go Hamza Chowdhury, they might go with whoever they're trying to build, um, you know, build around. Like you say, Harvey Barnes is... There you go. Harvey, Harvey Barnes is coming, really just coming back properly and playing his getting back into his game so I feel like we've got to see how they go on the second half of the season because it's it's too easy and obviously the game on the weekend they went out of the FA Cup but a lot of teams nearly went out <laughs> they went out of the FA Cup this weekend and it is a derby this is the thing I think, it's the, way, I think it's the way I think, I think it's the way they went out though isn't it the way they went out was particularly and you said like you said it's a derby um but I think we've got and to they be never careful. Went out to, they weren't farmers as well. Like, don't go for his team. They ain't no farmers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they, put, they, put Ars- yeah. they put Arsenal in it, so... <laughs> yeah, so it makes uh, it okay, like. No, it doesn't make it okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make it okay. I'm just saying, wait, I can't talk, in it? But um, I think we've also we've got to be careful of the Fofana, you know, saviour type thing as well, you know, because he's he is 21 um, and he is coming from a big... You know, knee injury. So we got to be careful of that. So I think, or not we, but Leicester have got to be careful of that. I hope they're not necessarily saying, okay, for Fano, he's back in full training. We're gonna, you're gonna get him in this month, and things will change around because it might not. We don't know how he's gonna react to, you know, such an injury at, um, at his young age. Yeah, it's unfair to put the pressure on him, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Obviously. Um... What's Leicester's next uh, Premier League game? They're playing against West Ham. At no, that's not West. That's not the next Liverpool, game. The next yeah. game is Liverpool. Yeah, yeah of course. course. Yeah, these boys. But well, I think that's a straightforward win for Liverpool. But we'll see anyway. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about that next week anyway. Afcon. We've got a touch on Afcon, of course. Sorry to anybody who, um, sorry in advance to anyone who was supporting Egypt, but all of us here were supporting Senegal. So come on. <laughs> it is, <laughs> it is what it is, you know. Even though Mane, Mane, you know, I thought he let down the side. You know what I mean? I thought like Mane let down the side, but eventually scored the winning penalty, so he was happy. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't lie. That that was crazy. That was a mad. That was some emotional roller coaster. That game because yeah. obviously Mane, mad. like the penalty, he seemed mad anxious. The first penalty. He seemed crazy, crazy anxious. And obviously, how can you go and, bro? How can you go and tell the keeper <laughs> to go back? <laughs> go get in your goal, yeah. yeah? And then yeah. he saves your penalty. That's mad. Yeah, no, but you know bad. what? But you know what? That's because Salah went and went and talked to the spot to the keeper and told him, "Yeah, wait, this guy might go." So Manu's clocked yeah. that for now, bruv. Like, don't oh, yeah. tell my man where I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go <laughs> there in it. You know what I mean? But yeah, obviously, it's clearly rattled him. Um, oh, yeah. he, he could have scored, and we could have said, "Oh yeah, he, you know, he won, he won the battle of mind games." But yeah, it's one yeah. of them ones. Oh, one second, Jay. One second, Jay. Hold that thought. One second. I just want to go to this little comment from before again from the branded podcast. On a go to it, just off the back of it, it was um, 
just on the, the Leicester thing, obviously we'll run up on it, but the Vardy style striker doesn't exist in abundance. They need to build around Kelechi. That's what they need to do. Boy. It's interesting. But that's a good segue, though, to kind of... Mm. We, we all talk about Kelechi. I do want to talk about some of the teams, especially when we're talking about qualifying for the World Cup. Do you know what I mean? And who should build their team around what? Because I'm sure now... T and J, they're, they're, they're calm now, but when we get into talking about Ghana v Nigeria, we, we'll talk. Well, anyway, Jay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, um, <laughs> I was going to say, um, yeah, I think Salah, Salah could have been whispering to the goalkeeper saying, look, I'm going to whisper to you and man is going to watch me and it's going to rattle him and he's going like, to, you know what I mean? Like, it was, I think it was mind games and Mane fell for it. Yeah. Um, and then, got this, you know, thing in his chest like, nah, I'm not going to have it. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, and you can see from his run-up on the penalty, it was just like, <laughs> yeah. he didn't disguise at all what he was going to do. Like, when you see the run-up here, you knew he was going to blast it down the middle. You see what I'm saying? There's no, I think there's nothing wrong with going down the middle, but you have to disguise it and make it look like you're going either side so you can send the goalkeeper the you know, one way or the other. But he didn't do that. He he he, he ran full pelt like a train at it and just went, I'm smashing this in. And, you know, it wasn't, you could tell he'd been um, affected by that little thing that Salah and the goalkeeper had done. But, I mean, credit to that goalkeeper. He's, he's saved a lot of penalties in this competition. Bro, did you see the bottle? Did you see, have you seen the picture of the bottle? Yeah. There's yeah, some yeah. picture of a bottle where it's got pictures of where people put their penalties on the ball, yeah. literally, per player. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's wild. One of the African journalists was like, someone's got to get that ball and put it in the CAF museum because that is... <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, he had all of them. All of them all around the bottle. Um, so, yeah, it was... It was... It was... Um, but he... I mean, he redeemed himself, Mane, at the end. He went and smashed it again, but this time he put it in the side oh, of the net. That, <laughs> There's another that, that pen, yeah? That pen. That pen was magic because I was watching Mane for the whole shootout, yeah? And, and he was just standing on his own. <laughs> he was standing on his own, like pacing, mm-hmm. nervous, because he knew. And that penalty, yeah, was like, I'm getting this over and done with as quickly as I can. Because he yeah. put the ball down, and then took back his faces. <laughs> but yo, I, but can't T, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Yo, T, should he have still been on the pitch? <sighs> look, should he have st- should he have received that yellow second yellow for the dive? Okay, look. So this this is not the first time there is this conversation around Mane. Yeah, Mane is an emotional player. Plays on the edge. Yeah, and obviously, which means. <laughs> Which means he's basically he's 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 gonna do anything he needs to do to win the game, and obviously in the moment, obviously the diving is there's there's, there's no excuse for that. It was it was quite it was quite poor, to be honest with you. But my point is this: with with Mane, that the type of player he is, if you if you remove that element to his game and you remove some of the other the physicality and these kind of things, then you're, you're changing him as a player. And I think um yeah, obviously there's the, there's no excuse for it, but. Is what it is, man. Listen, charge it to the game. I think as well. Yeah. If you're gonna, I just if... want. I just want that on record. Hold on. I just. I just want to let that comment marinate. Hmm. T says you got to charge the dive into the game. All right, carry on, Jay. No, I was just gonna say, just a little comment, just off the back. Of Can't that. defend the question. Um, if some of the, I mean, how many yellow cards should Egypt have had, and some of the challenges that they stuck on on the some of the Senegalese players were red worthy as well. So it was generally a, a, a crazy game in terms of the cards and or the lack of cards, shall we say? Yeah, no, it's yeah. but I, I want to kind of touch on. You see, tactically, yeah, as a get like obviously just over the whole tournament or whatever. Like, what are some of the things that you guys saw tactically or just style of play wise? That was. Let's just start with some of the positives. Let's start. We, we, We'll, we'll start with the positives, then we'll go on towards the negatives. What were some of the positives that you saw um, from some of the teams in terms of what they do? Because for me, I think the biggest thing that shone in this tournament was defensive organisation. Like, a lot of teams were, were very, very, very well drilled. You know what I mean? Even this Egypt side, they pretty much were low-blocking it out. Low-blocking it out, and then we'll go for Salah, and you know what I mean? And in general, you saw like how Salah 
couldn't have an easy time in his tournament. Didn't he score? He just scored like two goals, right? Um, in the tournament and stuff. And it was because a lot, I saw a lot of times Salah would normally knock this ball and just run past people, start dropping his shoulder. But all of a sudden, in the African Cup of Nations now, in the context of the continent now, the guys are quicker. The guys have more IQ. They're not susceptible to the skills. You know, some of these little skills that you normally just do, chop people, you know what I'm saying? The inside-outside stuff, a lot of these defenders were not having it. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So it was just one of those ones where he, he, that was neutralised. I, I see, I see, even yesterday, I see, I see Salah knock it. <laughs> and the left-back just, yeah, just ran and took it off him. Like <laughs> I was like, but in through the whole tournament, right, it was just there because even like when I saw people coming up against Zaha, Zaha didn't have as much joy as he probably would in the Premier League match kind of thing because again, he's not just powering past people. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So defensive organization was there uh, for me anyway in abundance. Even late into games, you weren't seeing teams getting dragged. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So for me, I would say defensively, that's that was a, a strong part of the tournament. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, I think defensively, um, you know, teams did really show a really good test resolve. Um, it did mean some games were quite um, stalemate-y, um, you know, if you're speaking about Egypt and, you know, Carlos Kiros and his um, tactics and all the rest of it have deployed. I'm sure, Mark, you would have appreciated it, you know, you know a, bit, a bit of, uh, what, what, what would you call it? Um, shithousery, uh, you know, some, yeah, at some points arts. as well. Yeah, dark arts and all the rest of it. Uh, me personally, I'm not the biggest fan. But I know some people obviously appreciate it. Um, so, I mean, it has to be said that, I mean, they, I know teams, they did their job and all the rest of it. But um, as, for, as for positives, I mean, I, I don't, me personally, I, I think that the tournament grew from the way, from the way it began. Because uh, I know when we're going to get to negatives, there's going to be a plethora of things we're going to get into. Um, and I know, Marky, I know for you, for one, you're obviously going to mention the shooting and stuff like that. But you know what? <laughs> Um, the tournament was a very nice end, and j- just like any other AFCON, you know, it ended in a very, very AF way. You know, I, I don't know if you might watch the um, trophy presentation, they took it upstairs. <laughs> you know, who, who, who was that? Who was it to? Who were they oh, giving it to? to it, was the Cam- it was the Car- Cameroon the president. It was literally, it was, you know, it was like one of those ones. Oh, you must go and present to Uncle first before you come down and come and do your, do your thing. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, I know a lot of men didn't know what was going on, but yeah. So you know what? It ended on a very light note. Um, but yeah, I, I obviously, I let you man take the floor with the negatives because boy. No, no, no. Just, any just, positives? Any more? Because for me, was was defensively what gone, Jay? Yeah, yeah. Just a little one on um, positives. I think the fullbacks in Afcon actually played a, a big role as um, as the competition went on. You know, in terms of the attacking, taking on the attacking aspect as well. Um, it wasn't, um, so who would I, in Burkina Faso, there was a 20-year-old, actually, um, Kabore, plays for Troyes in France. Um, I think he was voted best young player. Um, so he was he was really good. I was really impressed with him. Um, the left-back for Senegal, Cisse, I think he plays in Oh, he was so cold. Yeah, he was so cold. <laughs> yeah, he oh was he God. was really good, and he kept going and going and going as well. And he, he was so cold. I yeah. loved him, you know. And he was good going back and front as well. He's a good defender. Um, and he Obviously got Hakimi as well. Hakimi as well. Um, I think one of the Cameroonian, the Cameroonian right back. I forget his name, but he was he was good as well. So yeah, just in general, there was like quite a few fullbacks that were doing their thing. Um, so that was positive for me. I, I, I like seeing that. Yeah, cool. T, any any other positives to add in terms of just tactically on the pitch, things that you were seeing that you were like, okay, no, I like this. Yeah, I think I think um, there was there was a bit of feedback on how tight the the competition started off um, in terms of the trajectory of games and stuff. But I think where the tournament is, there's only a couple of group games, so every so the stakes are high. So teams are obviously not going to be you know, committing to full throttle. <laughs> um, so obviously, yeah, so it started off a bit cagey, but the two teams that I, I would say I enjoyed watching um, the most would probably be Cameroon, because I think they were very free-flowing going forward, particularly Abubakar was very, very good, um, scored a lot of goals, and um, 
Nigeria were pretty good going forward as well. You know, in the group in the group stage, it feels like a long time ago now, but in the group stage, um, they did very very well. They obviously had a pretty perfect record. So I was impressed with the forward line. Um, you know, Moses Simon, I think was really really good. Um, uh, Taiwo Awani was really really good as well, uh, making his debut pretty much for, for Nigeria. So yeah, I think I think those those two sides were were quite free flowing actually. Um, against that that kind of grain of you know the the rigidness, if you like, they were my two highlights. Cool. I'm yeah, going to Ivory Coast midfield. Really like that that composition of Kessie, Sangare, and Seri. I think they, right. yeah, in midfield when they were at their best, um, really controlling it. Everyone knew what they were doing. Um, and they played as a unit, so I did, I did enjoy it. I mean, it's crazy that they went out, but they obviously went out to the finals. So there we have it. It's yeah. it goes. So for me, where where the, I'm not gonna, I'm not, gonna, I'm not hammering no Afcon or nothing like that. But for me, one of the things that was really frustrating was the, as as Kofi mentioned it, the shooting technique, and also the crossing technique. Yeah, because you see, you see. You see the shooting, yeah? Obviously, shoot on site, shoot from anywhere, but that's what was killing some games. So what was good was seeing defensive organisation, right? But you saw teams get into the final third and it was that little bit of quality for the cross. It was that, you know, how many times did you see a ball flashed across the box and it was it should have been put to the back post, it was put to the near post. It should have been tapped, it should have been pulled back, but the person took a shot from a mad angle, just that little bit of quality from, you know what I'm saying, from a dead ball situation, just a little bit more quality, I would say, in the tournament, I would have said that that was something that was quite strong to me. It's just like they weren't, the deliveries could have been better because it's not like, say, they didn't have people who were good in the air, but do you get what I'm saying? The deliveries could have been better. And then sometimes when they get into the final, when these teams get into the final third, oftentimes there's, there is two banks of four. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're facing up two banks of four and they're not using their players because they're just looking to shoot. And that was probably one of the most frustrating things of the whole tournament, yeah? And I think it was only really Senegal that that kind of um, bucked that trend a little bit and maybe Cameroon a little bit. But generally speaking, play the extra pass. Do you know what I mean? The final third is probably where the tournament fell down a little bit for me. You know what I'm trying to say? It started off obviously slowly, but the final third and the shooting, man. And, and the shooting was only one style of shooting, power. There you know was no what? Yeah. placement. You know what? I was going to say, do you feel like, because I was speaking to Jay about this during the tournament as well. Like, it, and it's actually a thing when you speak to goalkeepers yeah, around the game. The football they were using, yeah, do you feel like these men were encouraged to actually take these shots they were taking because of how light the ball was? Because I know as bad as the shooting was, yeah, there were some mad goals that were scored, yeah, like these 40 <laughs> yards, <laughs> 40 yards. Yeah, but, no way. but you know what? It's the amount of shots that are being taken, though. So yeah. there's bound to be some screamers because people were shooting from some mad. Some of it was so unorthodox as well. I think even the goal of the tournament that the you know what I mean. You're yeah. looking at, come on, <laughs> like man. The, 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 yeah, the one from the, the Malawi one, one Gabadinho. That was yeah. oh, that was a world class goal. It was just that it was that final pass, that final because they're set up very well defensively, and this is why obviously as we kind of transition on to talk about the the qualifiers, right, and how. And we'll obviously, obviously we'll close out with this kind of discussion about the qualifiers um, from the African nations, yeah? How these guys transition from AFCON-style football that they've been doing now towards now they're going to be in the World Cup. Five of these teams are going to be in the World Cup. And for me, this is where, in terms of the, any of those five teams having a chance of winning, this is the development area for me. It's in that final third, we need to be as together and as sort of um, coherent as we are defensively when we get into that final third. Yeah. I think, you know, if you... I was watching a video of the... the um, just just going on the goals thing again, um, of all the, the goals, the best goals of the AFCON. And if you look at the celebrations like, from the goal scorer, like, when it goes in, it is like pure ecstasy for them. You know what I mean? Um, but... Like you're saying, that's part of the problem. And obviously, being a Ghana supporter, like there was a number of times, like where the problem was instead of the person taking their time and making the extra pass, make the extra pass, create the angle, put someone through to you know 
cross the ball in and so we can tap it in. It's more a, a more a case of nah, I must chase the glory. Like and that's that's how I felt. It was more of a kind of if I roof if I rifle this in and it goes top corner, then like I've got the glory, I've I'm remembered or whatever. Um so I think hundred percent mark. Like the teams that now Senegal, they've got to play Egypt again, I think. And the teams that are gonna um play in the qualifiers, if they're gonna play against their you know, their European counterparts and, and challenge them, we need to pass. I mean, I always have this memory of when we played Germany in the World Cup <laughs> gone by and Jordan, 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 Jordan didn't pass. Yeah, and it was free to, it was a free two was on. It was on. And you talk about Mark Jordan with, Ayu, by the way, just for those who are listening, yeah. <laughs> I just want to make sure people know Jordan Ayu. Yeah, Jordan Ayu, Crystal Palace um slash Ghana. Former Aston Villa. Former Aston Villa. So you know you know about him. Um and 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 it seems like we haven't gotten we haven't gotten past that. We, it's a bit. I don't know if I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's selfishness or if if it's a lack of vision or if it's a you know a bit of a bit of both. But um, that's I think when you get to the final thirds, when you're progressing the ball up the pitch, you need to make use of your your team and your teammates and pass. Sometimes give the extra pass. Sometimes the lo, lo, um, the long shot is on, but mix it up. It can't be all you know long shots. Um, it's yeah. easy to to play against also yeah there's a lot of so there's 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 defensive mid so like i said the two banks are four most popular thing right two banks are four one running uh one sort of running striker whoever it was and one sort of hold the ball up ish kind of player for me the next iteration for these teams is to have genuine number 10s like genuine number 10 because not like the iq isn't there but for me, it's about having genuine number 10s, like you said, to go and be the conductor, somebody to go and pick the pass, somebody, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, that's the, that's because we do, we do defensive midfielders. We literally piss them out. Do you get what I'm trying to say? But creative, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Man, you may, we might not even be that athletic, but that style of player, obviously, we know probably why it is because that style of player might not make it through to the Premier League because of the profile of player that the Premier League wants from Africa, for example. So we get that. But just within ourselves, can we get some number 10s? Can we get some conductors? Can we get a little bit more than just... Do you get what I'm trying to say? Like the IQ being on the defensive side or the IQ being on the super bulldozing side. Because we have players like Samuel Eto'o before who, who, who could mix it up. You know what I'm trying to say? People like Jogba, Jogba, you know, could mix it up. JJ Okocha could mix it up. You know what I mean? So can we get more in the mould of that? Yeah, I think maybe for this coming this upcoming World Cup, it's obviously maybe a step too far, but I think what we've seen generally in some of the players coming to the Premier League um, from Africa, um, they do they do they do possess that 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 penis, you know what I mean? Like they 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 have that in their locker. Like Navi's got that. We've seen um um Matasar who's coming to Spurs, he's got that. You know what I mean? Like these players they have that ability, but whether the systems are created for them is another question. Because obviously on the continent the way that this this the style is is usually you play to your advantage, which is often the physical advantage. And you and specifically in you know in, in terms of Nigeria, for example, I was looking at it would be maybe someone who could come in and operate in between the lines, someone who can looks for that combination play. But unfortunately, he's been overlooked at the moment for that 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 link up front. So I think it's it's something that maybe we could see in the in, in the next couple of years being developed. Um, because those those players are becoming more uh, in demand, if you like now. It's not just the likes of, you know, your your I don't know your your defensive rigid that kind of that that guy there indeed he's just gonna sit and just hold like I think there's there's more being demanded now but um, in the next couple of years I can I can see that maybe being explored a bit more. Yeah, because it can't be a thing. My thing is it just can't be a thing where the midfielders just sit and the attackers. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's just sprinting and running and unless you get balls over the top. Because if you talk about this now, when you go to the World Cup now, you know you're gonna play against teams that you're going to need to be able to not only take the ball off them, 
control possession. You, basically, you can't just sit and defend. If you're going to, for example, you're playing against prime, look at the teams who's, who's up there, who's, who's decent, who's got players. You're playing against your, your prime England's, your prime, obviously, Italy. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> your prime England's, your prime Italy's, your prime Germany's. You know what I'm saying? Some of these teams, even your prime Argentina's, your prime Brazil's, whatever, they're going to keep, they're going to take the ball off you. They've got technical players. Defensively, you might be able to, from what I've seen anyway, the teams will be able to stop them and block them out. But in terms of hurting them now, this is where it comes down to those, just the fine margin, margins, you know what I mean? This is where it comes down to that. So I feel like that's what we need to kind of work on because look at some of these ties. So either Mali or Tunisia is going to the World Cup, either Cameroon or Algeria, Egypt obviously playing against Senegal, Ghana against Nigeria, Congo versus Morocco. All the teams there have players who play in Europe. All those teams have players who play in Europe. So they, you know what I'm trying to say? It's just it's the next it's the next step kind of thing for, for the teams. But I just want to get into it. Like we're here, last five minutes. Ghana versus Nigeria. What what are we saying? Who who who's who's winning this? I'm I'm gonna sit back. I'm gonna let you lot swing it out now. So, <laughs> I've Listen, got the horse in the race. I'm just going to say this very quickly. You know, and Jay, I might beat you to the punch. I'm just going to say, yeah, Ghana are going out, bruv. They're not going to be Nigeria. These <laughs> Eagles are going to think, right? And if Ghana do happen to go through, that'll be a bonus for me because it, they expect the unexpected would have happened, but I expect them not to do well because these men, they're let down, you know. I'm so disappointed in them. So, so disappointed in them. Uh I don't know. Uh, T, do you want to go next or? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, boy, it's one of them. Our, our, our back line is worrying and our, and our goalkeeper, the less said, the better, to be honest with you. So defensively, I feel like we are quite vulnerable. Um, I think that we, in the AFCOM, that wasn't necessarily exploited until the until the, the round of sixteen. Is it the round of sixteen? After the after the group game? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. The round of sixteen. Yeah. Um that wasn't explained until then. I think attacking wise, for sure, you know, we still got players to come back into the side. Um or Simeon, you know, obviously being the main one, kind of look, looking forward to to reintegrating. And then as I mentioned, you know, you you've got Chiquesi, um, Simon, you know, these kind of guys who are, you know, really, really doing well and pushing at the moment. Um, and and the midfield looks pretty solid, to be honest. I, I I don't have any worries there. I'm really liking the look of Aribo and um, and Diddy in the heart of that midfield. That's that's very solid. Aribo in particular um, impressed me. So my my only concern would be our defence because Ekon, yeah, Truist <laughs> Ekon, yeah. Uh, I don't know, like before Balogun was uh, Balogun. I don't know. I, I don't know who, who were going to play there, boy. But we're looking a bit tired there. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ha- have to rely on 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 on, on like, I know to 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 be to to hold down that back line, and I, I think that's, <laughs> that's that's a lot to ask. You know what I'm saying? So if you, if you guys can exploit the um, defense, then. Maybe that, um, there's so, T, who do you think is going to win? State, state your claim. Who do you think is going to win, Ghana or Nigeria? No, I'm confident. That's what I'm saying. I'm confident in, a, in, okay. in, a, in, in Nigeria. So, you're going Nigeria. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> I have to. I have to, bro. <laughs> no, no, you don't have to. This one, you go for, you know, we're not speaking from fan perspective. It's <laughs> right now. Do you get me? So, uh, yeah. I'll tell, I'll tell you what. Um, with Ghana, I think um, we're in a bit like we don't even have a coach at the moment, so like uh, we're in a bit of a thing. I know there's obviously talks of um, Chris Hutton taking over, um, and he's he said a couple of things and had meetings with people, but it hasn't officially been announced by the GFA. I don't think just yet. Um, proper press release. So there's that, and then there's things to organise in terms of um, what we're doing up front. Um, as well, what we're doing with the because there's little we've gone there's little politics that's going on as well. Um, I think with the IU brothers, where do they stand with the national team? Um, in midfield, who's who's the partner to play with with Thomas, and how do we get the best out of Thomas in the 
the national side, and then um, as well, like a stable, um, a stable goalkeeper, because there was talks of you know, the goalkeeper that we we had um, really wasn't um, at the level really needs. So, with all these things to sort out by um, by the time we do play Nigeria, it's not it's not particularly um, uh, give you a, gives me a positive feeling that we will we will beat. Nigeria. Having said that, it's a derby. Um, it's a big derby. It's one of the biggest derbies in in West Africa, if not the biggest one. There's a lot riding on it, um, and because of that, anything can happen in a derby. So I was very disappointed with Ghana, just like Kofi was. But I'm going to throw my hat behind um, Ghana to beat Nigeria. Rifle one in the rifle a couple in the in the top corners of each each, each corner of the nets and um and then go out in the streets and 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 um get out my Nigeria get out my Nigeria. <laughs> I tell you what, Jay, you are better man than I am. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, no, nah, for me, literally. Just... But you know what? The other thing as well, though, there's some players who might be able to represent Ghana that. You know what I mean? And that's the other yeah, thing, just even, just in general. You know, Callum Hudson-Odoi, I don't... Tariq Lamptey, can he? Yeah, yeah, Lamptey yeah, can well. Lamptey can. Callum Hudson-Odoi can. Maybe, potentially, you know, Chris Hutton comes in. Let's say he was to come in as manager. He might be in a good position to convince some of these guys to, to, to play. And that would be a huge upgrade. If you've got Lamptey and Callum Hudson-Odoi in the team now, and some others who have probably slipped my mind now. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, obviously, it might not help you for this specific match, but going forward, it's clear that there needs to be a change in other guards, specifically with Ghana, just where you are in the development phase. You know, the mm. IU brothers do need to clear off. Um, no disrespect, but, you know, or whatever. You know, it is what it is. But, you know, they need to clear off. Um, and you kind of need to kind of get rid of some players and then obviously like you said promote some of the young ones some of the young boys that you was Jay you was telling me about some of the young boys that's there as well you know what I mean so promote yeah. some of them definitely but I'm, I can't that is the, obviously the tie of the round although you know Salah versus Mane part two to see we're either going to get Salah, Salah or Mane at the World Cup um, <laughs> which is interesting um, and I'd love the same result to be completely that's, honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope for two out of two. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Because the, th- the thing is, the thing is, obviously, you know, um, Mane's done his thing. He's he's won, you know, the championship and all that kind of stuff. Like he's won the Champions League and all that. And you know, Egypt they've got the seventh best player in the world as their, you know, their <laughs> talisman. So, you know, it is what it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, player. <laughs> you know, it's not my opinion. It's just, it's not my opinion. So don't, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listen, there's a final question here. We'll round up with this question. It's from Branded um, Podcast. Is only five teams a true representation of Africa at the World Cup? For such a big continent, only five teams. Look at the size we're mentioning. Man. It's a joke. Either Nigeria or Ghana. Either How could you have evil or Senegal? No, nah, man. <laughs> That's a joke. Five. It's a joke. Out of 32. Hey. When, if we, when we look at the, the, the influence, yeah, of, 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 like, what these players are actually doing in Europe, and Europe is obviously the kind of um, mainland, if you like, it doesn't make any sense. For that for that still to be the case you know what i'm saying obviously there's political reasons as to why that is but i think there's a legit campaign and not even just banging the drum with with no <laughs> with no um with no data behind it there is literally a legitimate case given the influence of footballers and what they're doing in europe at the moment doesn't make any sense that that there's five five teams even just thinking about that now Ghana, Nigeria. What, what now? What are the other um, fixtures? What are some of the other fixtures? Congo, Congo versus Morocco, um, Egypt, Tunisia, Cameroon versus Algeria. Whoa. I mean, look Whoa, at that. Nah, look at that. Nah. That's not right, but that's, that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The, the, it's the fact that you've got so many teams, and there's not even there's no there's no tie that you're like, well, they're gonna wipe them. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no, yeah. there's no dead ties. Look at how many dead rubber games you have England playing in qualifying. 
You know what I'm trying to say? Look at how many look at how many teams there are in Europe that's just and they're gonna have more places, you know, than 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 Africa that is now contributing at a certain level, you could argue. Do you know what I mean? Now the level they are, you know, you got some of the literally the best players in the world. Literally. You know, Salah, you know, seventh obviously, but in reality, <laughs> you know what I mean? Top two, top three, best player according to people, do you know what I mean? Um you know, Mendy as well. Because, you know, when I looked at that Senegal team, I was thinking, whoa, Koulibaly as well. I was just like, there's there's a lot of players here. There's a lot of mm-hmm. players here. So, yeah, I do agree. Like, I think it's, it is scandalous. But because uh, I saw Ian Wright was, was probably one of the first people um, on, on the big, big scale to, like, really bring it to the light. And I feel like it just needs people to speak about it more. Um, and people of that profile with that much clout, do you get what I'm trying to say, to 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 really kind of bring it home and ask the question, why is that? Why is that the case? It's the same way, in the same way, it's like, listen, people had to get on to, no disrespect, but people had to get on to Sky about their coverage of the AFCON because how are you having no co-commentators for certain games? Sure. How are you not even having studio? Like literally half-time, no analysis. Are you telling me? that there wouldn't have been people that would have even done it for free for goodness sake. You could have, do you know what I'm saying? You could have, you could have, you could have used us. <laughs> I wouldn't do it for free, but I'm just saying. You could have used yeah, us. Yeah. You could have used, there's so many different people that would have wanted to um, speak about it. So I think in general, there's a disrespect there, 100%. And then they only want to show the, they want to show the clips of when, um, you know, the referee's doing stupidity as if, as if we don't have a referee that went to a World Cup in England and gave three yellow cards, like, come on. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, this stuff has happened, you know? So I just think it's one of those where, in general, they need to put more respect on African teams. And they're going to have to anyway, because we're going to be at their ceremonies taking at least one, two or three of their Ballon d'Or and their FIFA World Cup, you know what I mean? So we're going we're gonna to be there. So they're going to have to, you know, show some respect to, to us anyway. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, well Agreed. said. You know what I'm saying? Well, it is what it is. Anyway, listen, big up everyone who was listening. Uh, big up the branding podcast as well. Um, big up to our listeners, man. Uh, I have to say it again. Big up to the listeners from the US and those in Europe kind of thing. Can we touch three continents this year, bro? <laughs> That's what I want to yeah. see. You know what I'm saying? Can we touch three continents? But yeah, big up to Absolutely. all the listeners, man. We're here. We're here. We're about every Monday, 7 p.m. UK time. Um, also we're available on Spotify if you want to listen to the audio Um, so yeah we'll see you guys next week man Peace. peace